Welcome along to the Loftcast. I'm Paul Morrissey and I'm joined today by club ambassador Andy Sinton and my media colleague Andy Watkins. This week we've got plenty to discuss regarding matters both on and off the pitch. We'll be reflecting on that narrow defeat to Cardiff, which seems such a long time ago now, discussing the incredible event that was game for Grenfell and looking ahead to another significant game this weekend as the club celebrates the 100th anniversary of our first game at Loftus Road. That's when we play host to Ipswich. As well as that, we'll be hearing from one of the key players in QPR's strong start to the campaign, Josh Gowen. It's all right here on The Loftcast. Well, since, as we were saying, plenty to get through um, on The Loftcast this week. So let's go for it. Firstly, we've got to start with a, a disappointment. Quite a rarity so far this season. We've done so well results-wise and played so well, but it was a disappointing result at the league leaders Cardiff City, a 2-1 defeat. And what makes it probably more disappointing is that we started well, we went a goal up, we'd, we'd quietened quite a raucous Cardiff City crowd and then we, we let them back into it. But it was a, a good start from QPR. Yeah, it was an excellent start. You know, the first 20 minutes, I thought we were in total control of the game. You know, got our noses in front. Uh, Great goal, you know, good cross in from Luke Freeman, Matty Smith brave, you know, because the keeper's coming towards him. Keeper's obviously give his defender a shout, but got nowhere near it. But Matty's just got, you know, keep his eye on the ball and, you know, you, you know you're going to head it, but you're probably going to get a clatter as well. But uh, no, it was a great start and you could sense in and around the stadium it went really flat. Mm. And whenever you're going to anywhere that's one, four or five in a row, that's what you have to do. You have to take the sting out of the game and if you can get your noses in front, so we did that, but then disappointedly, you've already said, I felt we contributed to them getting back in the game. Yeah, well, just talking about our, our goal firstly, and even though he didn't touch the ball, Jake Bidwell was so important in that goal, Luke Freeman's assist, Matt Smith's header, and it shows how the, the formation is working so well. Jake Bidwell bombing on down the, the left in the, the wing-back position, that gave Luke Freeman that extra bit of time where he used Jake's run just to afford himself that time. He looked up and he's got the ability to put the ball on the sixpence. And if anyone knows how uh, Luke Freeman's going to deliver a ball, it's Matt Smith. And it, he, he timed his, well, it, again, with Matt Smith, it isn't so much a run and a jump. It is just he reads the flight of the ball so well. And he, he left the keeper tell Sol Bamba to get out of the way. And then Matt Smith nicked in for the header. So, it, again, it was a, a goal that demonstrated the the strength of that style of football. Well, we saw it against Hull, you know, uh, with Luke Freeman putting in a great cross, you know, and I don't think Matty jumped then for his mm. goal, but the defenders tried to read the flight and got underneath it. Matty's obviously assessed the flight, the trajectory, the, the, the pace of the ball and gets his goal there. So it's obviously one of his strengths, you know, and um, there's more to his game than just being on the end of crosses. But as we've seen, and, you know, with Adrissa Silla as well, if they're in the in the action, put the ball in the box, and there's a good, good chance they'll get on the end of it. Uh, like you say, a disappointing equaliser, the, the manner of which we conceded it. What I will say is that that ball could have deflected anywhere of Junior Hoylet's shins, and when it deflects from 20 yards out straight into the middle of your, your goal, you're going to feel a bit of grief. But like you say, it was a disappointing way in which to concede it. But after their equaliser, we had to ride the storm because suddenly the, the crowd were, were jumping again, and... It looked like we had because it was a case of, OK, let's just ride this, get to half-time. And, and, you know, you take being on level terms at half-time away to the league leaders. And it, then deep in injury time at, at the far post and Sol Bamba made up for his 
well, it wasn't his mistake for the first goal, to be fair. It was the, the keeper giving him the shout. But Sol Bambas popped up at the, the far post to, to give them the lead. And then it was always going to be very difficult. Yeah, once they, once they got back on uh, level pegging, they, they, they seemed to kick on, you know. Um, and we had to stand strong and firm. And we did. And yeah, you're looking at the clock and you know, yeah, you're almost at half time. <laughs> and again, the frustrating thing is prior to that, or what led to the corner, Alex Smith has made a hell of a save. Just a hell of a save. A hell of a save from Mendes Lang, you know, turned around the post, but we get done on the corner. So you go in 2 1 down. And uh, prior to that as well, we have to say Jamie Mackey's hit the, hit the post yep. as well. Two minutes beforehand, Jamie Mackey, and looking at Jamie's reaction, you know, uh, I think he thinks it's in. You know, he's got enough sort of power and bend on the ball unfortunately it's, uh, it's hit the post and you know gone their way rather than ours but uh, but no I felt a little bit disappointed that we went in 2-1 half time because I think we had given a really 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 good account of ourselves in the second half again like we had to after their equaliser we had to ride the storm second half they're in the lead they're top of the league they're on course for their fifth straight win in the league and the, the stadium was bouncing and they were playing full of confidence. And it's amazing the difference, well, you, you would certainly know better than anyone around this table, the difference that a goal or a lead can give to, to players. Suddenly all of them on the ball looked a million dollars full of confidence. They were passing it around and it, it just made it so much more difficult for us. But what must have surely given Ian Holloway confidence is the way that his team did handle that. They took the punches and didn't take any further punishment. And... It shows with what happened in the final five minutes, even when the game doesn't appear to be going your way, just stay in the game and you just never know. And so nearly, so nearly, we managed to nick a point at the end through Yeni Bakoto. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head with everything you've said there. You know, that, that, that 10 minutes just after half time was a really tough spell because uh, I, I was doing commentary and I think uh, I said, you know, I thought we had gone in 2 1 but I think we had controlled the lion's share of that game, if that makes sense. And I've got a feeling Neil Warnock, as we all know, Neil Warnock would have really got into these players at half-time, really got into them. And they came out, buoyed by the goal on the stroke of half-time, full of fire, if you like, and pace and energy. And we, we really had to stand strong and withstand everything they threw at us. You know, had a little bit of luck, but you, you, you need that and you earn that. Uh, and as you say, if you can stay in the game, it gives you a chance the longer it goes. Sometimes people say you learn more in defeat than you do about your players in victory. As a former player, as a former manager, looking at that performance from QPR at Cardiff, what did you learn about the QPR squad? What did I learn? I learned we've got a, a, a squad and a side that's capable of competing with, you know, as it stands at the minute, the best team in the league. Because whether someone says anyone says they're going to stay there, well, they are at the minute. Mm. We've gone to Cardiff. We've given a really good account of ourselves. We've stood toe to toe. We've contributed to uh, certainly an equalising goal. And goals change games, and they change the stadium, and they change the uh, the manner of the opposition players. And your own to a degree, you know, might knock you a little bit flat. But the pleasing thing is, we didn't buckle after that. We stood strong. And if I was in and um, or the coach and the staff and the players and the supporters. I would have gone away from Cardiff, disappointed to have lose, uh, lost the game, but really encouraged by the manner of the performance. Well, the game for Grenfell, there's so much to take from the game and so many reasons to, to smile after it. It was incredible. The whole event was incredible. It was sombre, it was emotional. It was a 
a strange atmosphere in some ways because there was so in some ways there was so much joy within the stadium and so much enjoyment but everyone was there for you know very tragic reasons Andy from your point of view obviously heavily involved out on the pitch how did you find the day first of all I thought it was a, a wonderful occasion for a wonderful cause you know hell of a lot of work went into it uh, behind the scenes to to make sure it happened um but no, just like you said, you know, it was it was wonderful to be uh, involved. Uh, I felt very privileged to be asked. But I actually found it quite emotional as well because you know why you're there and the reasons that you're there and you, you're speaking to people directly involved in it. And um, I say it was amazing, but uh, emotional. What was it like in the dressing room before the game? Because obviously there's a mixture of all different celebrities, former players and firefighters are in there residents are in there what was that like again it was it's quite surreal actually because you you, uh, you know you're, you're mixing with well from a personal point of view you're mixing with people who you've played with and against so you're seeing old faces so you're you're doing a bit of reminiscing you're sitting in the same sort of vicinity as you know hollywood actors etc etc uh, you're sitting close by and side by side with um residents who luckily are still here today mm. you, uh, you're sitting and chatting with firefighters who have to be said are real heroes real heroes you know because if you if you take that tragedy in isolation when everyone's doing their utmost to get away they're going in mm. uh, you know so to to be speaking to them and you got to be quite sympathetic and you know almost watching what you're saying really but they yeah. were they were quite open of what they were they were saying and uh that was it was fantastic, but I have to say, going back to the celebs, I would like to thank them for what we we have done, but I'd like to thank them again, you know, for giving up their time, throwing their weight behind it, and help make the day the the the, the success that it ultimately was. Andy, you were obviously covering the event from a, a social media perspective. What was your highlight of the day? You were in and around everything that was going on throughout. Um, I think there's probably too many to choose from. It was just uh, like Andy said, a surreal kind of day. Um, I think from from arriving at the ground early in the morning, and you're not used to seeing a few hundred people outside the, the front of the stadium, um, to seeing all the the different celebs arriving and the the sort of the buzz outside um, from the fans. And um, I think I think if there was one highlight, it would certainly be the the firefighters when they were introduced. I think before half time. I think the there were many reasons to to sort of get behind the day, but I think seeing them. And seeing the crowd, how they reacted, everyone on their feet. I remember sitting here in the press box, everyone was up, up on their feet to give them a, a well-deserved you know, standing ovation, seeing the look on their faces, um, as well as the, the residents when they came on. And I think, I mean, as the, the game worked out, I think it was, you know, it was perfect going to, to penalties and the firefighters mm. and the residents all getting to take a penalty. Some of them against Jose Mourinho, which I'm sure we'll come on to, which I don't think, you know, they were, I think fair to say they'll remember that for the rest of their lives and um after everything that they've been through um looking back at the you know the photos the day after and i think there was one of a couple of the the survivors you know hugging each other out on the pitch i mm. think that kind of puts everything into perspective and um so yeah i mean many highlights but but seeing those guys out there was was brilliant yeah the involvement of the firefighters greg jules adam foster david dillo and dean smith the, the residents shaheen sadafi Olawashan Talabi, Bobby Ross, Paul Manasseh and Volunteer who was there right at the time that it happened to Omar Salah. Like you say, they got an incredible reception from everyone that came on. The whole 
the, obviously the game came to a stop. Everyone on the pitch, all the players, the celebrities were all stood applauding them on. And you've got Mo Farah going off and giving a high five to one of the residents and a hug as he comes on. And it just gives you a tingle now even talking about it. It, it was great to, just to see everyone almost that moment summed up what game for Grenfell was about. That's what it was about, you know. It wasn't about the celebrities. Yeah, the celebrities make the game. It wasn't about that. It was about the community coming together to show strength, uh, to show solidarity, to say to those people directly involved and the families and, you know, the volunteers and the emergency service that, you know, you're not alone. Mm. We're with you. Uh, you'll never be forgotten. Hopefully it'll never happen again. Um, but no, absolutely wonderful. For me, memories of the day, far too many. You know, I found it... You know, the laying of the wreaths, the minute silence, and, you know, the, the firefighters coming on, the half-time. The, the singing at uh, half-time was incredible. Uh, Marcus uh, Mumford, Rita Ora, and um, Emily Sanday, it, it was just spine-tingling. Yeah, well, as I say, I got no shame. I was choked up and actually wiped away a couple of tears. You know, the, the way it was done, you know, they were facing the 2,000 uh, tickets, people in those tickets. The residents, that, yeah, yeah. the residents that... You know, they were, fed, they were almost singing to them. Mm. If you really break down the words of those songs, couldn't have been any better. Uh, so, you know, really, really moving. But it was the community was the winner on the day. And uh, I was extremely proud on an individual basis to, to, to play a very, very small part before and during. But as I say, an amazing day. And like you say, Andy, we have to give it a special mention to the self-proclaimed special one, Jose Mourinho. I don't think too many QPR fans um, were big supporters of Jose Mourinho before the weekend, but certainly everyone at the stadium and who watched it on telly, you couldn't but admire Jose Mourinho for being involved. You think how he helped through his profile and his involvement and the fact that he went in goal to s spread the word of game for Grenfell. It really helped from that perspective. And also, he played up to being the pantomime villain. Yeah. Every time he was facing a penalty, he was booed. He was booed onto the pitch. And it added to the atmosphere. And the boos were all in, in jest. And they were, uh, you just got that sense from everyone in the stadium really appreciated Jose Mourinho for being there and for playing the role that he played. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, I don't think... I think we... I think looking back at the pictures and we put, put a couple of posts out on a Sunday, I don't think usually I could imagine putting pictures out of a former Chelsea manager on QPR's social media channels <laughs> that would go down that well. But lo and behold, it was the, probably the, the most well-received post, you know, mm. because like you say, coming down, you know, I think there was a, a Manchester United Legends game that evening, but he wanted to be down at Loftus Road back in London um, to show his support. Um, and even when I think we got the news the, the evening before that he was going to be involved I don't think anyone thought he'd be involved to that extent you know we thought mm. it might be a, a couple of minutes sort of cameo role but he fully embraced it even you know like you say getting booed by the uh, a few members of the QPR fans who hadn't forgotten his, his Chelsea days and um, like you say completely played up to it um, even got books from from Mark Housey I think for, wasting for a time, bit of time yeah. wasting it's not like Jose is it no so um, but it was yeah it was brilliant and then like I say to then you have him with the <laughs> the penalty shootout at the end kind of just capped it all off. Yeah, absolutely. I would say, I would also add that we were planning to introduce Jose Mourinho as former <laughs> Chelsea manager Jose Mourinho and we needed to ask him first and he was just about to go on and a guy went over and said to him, 
can we introduce you to the QPR crowd as former Chelsea manager Jose Mourinho? Jose turned deadpan and said, no, that is not a good idea. <laughs> so I think he was still a little bit mindful of the QPR fans, but no, brilliant effort from Jose Mourinho and everyone involved uh, with Game for Grenfell. Also, um, Ian Taylor worked around the clock on this, and uh, I think he's ended up with even less hair than he had four <laughs> weeks ago. Um, also, after the game, the volunteers that were involved in, in the match, afterwards they were taking their shirts off and they had T-shirts on underneath. And one that really struck a chord with me was he was on there, he was really enjoying himself, smiling, laughing, hugging people, and it, he had a real buzz about him. And then he took his shirt off, and on the back of his shirt, it said, rest in peace, mum and dad. And you think, it was only mid-June that that tragedy occurred. We're only just into September now, so you're talking eight, ten weeks ago. This poor lad lost his mum and his dad in a tragic fire, and here he is, smiling, laughing, and enjoying the day. And if anything sums up game for Grenfell and the impact it had on the, the residents and the community, it was probably, for me personally, that moment. There were plenty involved in game for Grenfell. Les Ferdinand and Tony Fernandez were critical to its creation and we caught up with them as well as some others involved in the day that was game for Grenfell. Yeah, and I mean you see you know the, the, the effort that people put up today you know I mean getting Jose Mourinho out there is, is something and, and it takes a lot of effort and time to get out and do these things so football really is a unifying sport I mean you know whatever whatever said and done it brings people together and uh, today couldn't have been a better example of that um, than what we put on, put on today. Yeah, exactly. You know, it doesn't end here. You know, I kept saying that it's not the culmination. This is just a part of the healing process for, 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 for the residents and the survivors. So hopefully there's more to do. Um, we as a club can be part of that going forward. And as individuals, you know, there's, I'm sure there's loads of guys that will be part of that going forward as well. It's about the community. It's about them feeling that they are wanted, that we are very much thinking about them. Uh, it sends messages to people in authority that, you know, Jose Mourinho, Mo Farah, two very important people in our sporting um, lives in the UK have kept the agenda, kept it burning. Yeah, and I said in the briefing that you did the football match as opposed to perhaps a pop concert because of the ability of football to unite people and make these people feel like they're not alone. Do you feel that's what you've managed to do today? Yeah, definitely. I think the whole area is done. As I said, all my family's from the area and it, it was so close to home. And I think uh, everyone here, whether if you keep us thought you've either know someone or one of your close families have lived in this area, so it was, it was, as I said, it was a really a project that was so close to us and, and the club and we're just so happy it went well when everyone, everyone seemed to love the day. Well, Josh, thanks very much for joining us on the Loftcast. As we look at the, the season so far, from a personal point of view, you must be delighted with how quickly you've settled in and the, the impact you're having on the team. Uh, yeah, I've settled uh, fairly quickly, but that's all down to the gaffer and the boys making me feel welcome um, on and off the pitch and I can't thank them enough for being so welcoming. How, how much of an impact does that have on a, a player's form on the pitch when you, you go to a new club and the people are welcoming and, and do help you to sell? Um, yeah, obviously it helps a lot, it just makes you feel comfortable and it make, makes you feel like home really, so mm. um, yeah, anything away from away from the pitch, like welcoming, it's always going to help, help the way you play and how how you, how well you play with your other teammates on the pitch. So. And a lot has been made of the formation that Ian Holloway's brought in this season. It seems to have worked so well and against very tough opposition. 
as well. And for you, playing in a, in a three in the centre, is it something that you've done much in the past because you seem to have taken to it very well? Um, well, yeah, played in, a, in the middle, I've played with a three more or less, except for probably at Barnsley most, most of my career. So, um, yeah, something I'm used to and something I actually enjoy, enjoy playing with two others alongside me. And do, you, do you feel you're almost like the, the anchor for the other two? You sort of give them that, that freedom to to move on because they, they know they've got that support behind them yeah yeah I believe so obviously free, uh, it's been Freezy and Mass so far yeah. um, obviously they're great players and both quite attack minded so I'm, I'm always happy just to sit behind them and let them two go do their stuff and I just do the dirty work <laughs> <laughs> so it's not, it's, yeah, it's what's pleased you most Josh about your, about your form since you've come to the club what's pleased you on, a, on an individual level just, just playing I just, obviously I just want to be playing and to come in and start all uh, play all five league games is nice and as long as I keep playing and keep um, yeah playing and starting 11 I'll be happy I suppose there's always that natural feel when you go to a new club obviously at Barnsley you were playing week in week out when you, you go to a, a new club there's that natural fear of what if I have to wait for my opportunity and then the team are doing well and you're not in the side and then you've got to bide your time but I wouldn't say fortunately it's probably the wrong word but from your point of view you, you've gone in and, and become a mainstay right from the off uh, yeah, so when I come in, I've I've just worked hard, got my head down, and tried to impress the gaffer in the pre-season friendlies and in training. And luckily, it paid off. And as you say, I'm as I said, I started all five ga- league games, and then long may it continue. To play. The formation suits you. Do you think the championship is suiting you as well? Because it's only your, your second season in the championship. Quite quite surprisingly, really. Uh, yeah, I think I've t- I took well to it. Um, I was a bit surprised last year of how well I'd done personally and obviously as a team. Um, but no, as I said, like, I feel at home in this league. I feel as I'm still going young, so I've still got a lot mm. to learn. So hopefully the more games I play, the more I'll improve. What are the, the differences between League One and Championship football? Is there anything that you've overly noticed that's different? A lot of it's just quality, really. If you give away a chance, they're more likely to take in a Championship, whereas in, in League One it might take three or four. So... Um, mm. Yeah, it's just just the quality of chances and the quality of the players, obviously a lot better. And um, yeah, that's that's probably the main bit I've noticed. And the quality of the squad that you've joined the QPR. How do you assess sort of your teammates and uh, the quality of the squad in depth? Uh, they're they're all very good players. It's nice to come in and obviously play with such such quality. Obviously that only helped me improve as well. So um, yeah, as you say, they're all good players. They've all got their obviously strengths and weaknesses, but. As a squad, we all, I think we all gel well and that will only help us on the pitch. And since I'll ask you a, a question about Josh now, because self-deprecating footballers are quite a rarity in the <laughs> industry. But when Josh joined the club and we said to him, what sort of a player are you? His answer was, I'm just a rat that runs around. <laughs> you think he's more than that? I think he's much more than that. Um, you know, what I've seen so far, I think he's been excellent. Uh, you know, that midfield three you've already spoke about. Um, seem to complement each other and you actually spoke to Josh and he said he's the, the anchor man but actually within that three there's license for those times where you've gone beyond the front hasn't there that's yeah. that sort of yeah. fluency between the three of them but uh, no I think he was uh, I think he was talking himself down there uh, when he came in because to me there's far more to his game than just putting his foot in and breaking things up Ipswich on a Saturday they've flown out of the blocks um, and I suppose and taken a lot of people by surprise. What sort of game are you expecting? Ian Holloway has said this week he expects the midfield battle to be the key one this weekend. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think 
obviously as you say it's surprising how well they've started after last year but they've they've always had good players and obviously got a very good manager of experience so um yeah I expect it to be a, a battle maybe not so much as Cardiff but mm. we're at home we'll have the fans on our side and if we play the way we have been at home I think we're more than capable of coming away with three points Ipswich haven't spent much money and you look at recently like obviously Huddersfield last season didn't spend much money on one promotion and Barnsley last season didn't spend much money and they exceeded a lot of people's expectations. Does that show what a team spirit, a togetherness, an understanding and a work ethic can actually achieve in a championship? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's one of the main main criteria to have a good squad. So um, say if you've got that togetherness, you're you're going to help each other pull through the bad times and you say it's only going to help on, on, on and off the pitch. So, yeah, having that togetherness is, is, is crucial. And with the championship as well, games are... There's such fine margins between victory, draw and defeat as well. So it, it can be that extra ingredient that gives you the, the one point or the three. Yeah, exactly. He's like... I'm trying to think. Um, oh, Hull was probably a prime yeah, example. Hull was, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we... The Cardiff probably. game as well, you know, we're, yeah. we're well in the game, it, it just tips on a few key moment, moments normally, don't they? Yeah, no, exactly, I say like the whole game, we dug deep and managed to come away with the three points, which I think we, we deserved yeah. throughout the whole game. Mm. And uh, it's the 100th anniversary since our first fixture at Loftus Road this weekend when we play host to Ipswich. Um, you're enjoying it in W12, aren't you, playing at Loftus Road? Uh, yeah, it's been enjoyable, I'd say we've, we've won every league game at home this year, I know there's not been many, but... Um, yeah. It's something to build on, and if we can keep our home record good throughout the rest of the season, we'll we'll be in the right place come the end of it. And just finally, a word on the the QPR fans. They've they've taken to you very quickly. They like what they see from Josh going, and I'd imagine you're enjoying playing in front of them because they're giving you that support and that backing. Yeah, they've had nothing but positive comments from them. So hopefully, I can keep making them proud on the pitch, and it'll be, it's nice. It's always nice to see positive comments about yourself. <laughs> Great to catch up there with Josh Scone. He's settled in incredibly well and uh, no doubt will be involved this weekend when we take on Ipswich at Loftus Road. And it's a, a special game at Loftus Road as it's uh, the 100th anniversary. Well, the 100th anniversary is this Friday from our, our first game at the stadium, which was against West Ham on the 8th of September, 1917. So 100 years on, it's going to be a, a special, special day and that's made special by the fact Andy, that you've been on the phone <laughs> 24-7 getting all the Forever R's inductees, inviting all the Forever R's inductees back to the stadium. Yeah, first of all, you know, great celebrations, fantastic stadium. Uh, and we were trying to, to think about in the close season about, you know, what could we do? Was it just going to be, you know, as we do, invite two more and induct them into the Forever R's? And we came up with this idea that, you know, why don't we invite everyone that we've already inducted, you know, 30, 40, 50 players. Um, so, so that's what we did. So, yeah, a lot of phone calls. Um, I think as we speak, we've got about 24 of the already inducted Forever Hours coming back. Uh, some, unfortunately, can't make it for various reasons. Uh, ill health. Some are overseas. Some are working in the game. Some have got other commitments. So uh, we can't get everyone back. But the, the, the 20 the 20 plus players that we've got back with their guests, um, as I say, should be really good. So who are the likes of players that we've got returning? Well, we've got a lot of the, uh, the 66, 67 guys back again. You know, the, the uh, likes of Mark Lazarus, Roger Morgan, Frank Sibley, uh, 
Tony Hazel, you know, who who, who played in that uh, very famous uh, season. Uh, from there, Phil Parks, you know, and then you're going on to um, the likes of Warren Neal, Bob Hazel, uh, Kevin Gallen, Lee Cook, Martin Rowlands, the list goes on, mm. Danny Shittu, you know, I'm, I'm missing people out and I don't mean to because they're all great players in their own right. Uh, so one, it'll be great to see them all. It'll be great to get them back uh, to the stadium almost en masse. And I'm sure the fans will appreciate and be able to to see them and share some of their special memories because it is a special stadium that's given many special memories, many special games. Uh, supporting QPR is a bit of a like riding a roller coaster, mm -hmm. as we know. But you know, it um, it's it's a great place, it's a great club, and we'll celebrate that on Saturday. And from your point of view. What's your standout moment at Loftus Road from your time in the Blue and White Hoops? Cool. I knew you were going to ask me that. I've got that many. If I broke it down, probably my last season, you know, when we finished top London club. Now, if you say it like that, it doesn't seem to read it, but top London club. We used to regularly beat, and we have done, Arsenal. We used to beat Chelsea. We beat Spurs. Mm. We beat um, Man City. Uh, in, in, in that sort of season, big big clubs that we used to put to the sword out Loftus Road in front of our fans, packed, great atmosphere. I was being totally selfish, and he said, "What is Andy Sinton's own special moment? My debut, our home debut against Aston Villa, when I was very fortunate to to score the winner. Because when you join in the club, you mm -hmm. want to you want to get off to a good start. Well, one nil, I scored the winner. Couldn't get off to a better one, and I played." 700 plus 800 games and, uh, and managed to get one hat trick and that came at Loftus Road against Everton so uh, so there you go great stuff and it, it is a special stadium uh, what obviously from a, a social media point of view in the build up to all the games there's always that buzz win lose or draw the previous week there's always that buzz building up in, uh, for a game at Loftus Road it is a special stadium with a unique atmosphere Yep, dead right. I think whatever it's amazing, whatever the results, the the weeks before. I think the uh, the Saturday morning, I'm never fails to amaze me how positive the fans can be and optimistic and like you know whatever. If we've if it's been a bad result the the weekend before or even a couple of days before, um, you know the the fans are up for it for for the three o'clock or the the seven forty five, whatever it will be. Um, and there's certainly been I think probably the evening games that I'll you know in my few years here that I'll. You know, certainly been probably the the best ones. The the I think the Wigan playoff semi springs mm -hmm. to mind straight away, and um, yeah, the atmosphere when it's a, a packed house and the crowd are right on top of the players, and then um, I think that's what everyone kind of refers to as Loftus Road, and that's when it's at its best. So on to on the on the pitch activities QPR against Ipswich this weekend. Since what can we expect? Like every other week, a, a, another really tough game against the side. You know, have started really, really well. You know, Mick McCarthy, I think, has done well wherever he's been as a manager. You know, often sometimes teams reflect their manager. You know, the character. Well, Mick is uh, resolute, gritty, determined. So uh, I'm sure his teams will be, or his team on Saturday will be nothing short of that. Did you play against him? I did. I played as a 17-year-old for Cambridge United at Barnsley when he was there. Uh, we were 2 0 down at half time. Um, we came back and won 3 2. I bet you had no time for you, a nippy little 17 <laughs> year old winger. But actually, I, 
I was playing centre midfield and actually made a made a, 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 a late run and pushed it past him and he just held his ground and stepped across and I ran into him <laughs> and I swear as a 17 year old it was like running into and he went you alright son <laughs> and he's deep Yorkshire accent and uh, so uh, so yeah that was uh, welcome to men's football but uh, actually being 2-0 down I got a bit of a, uh, a telling off from my manager he thought I was not doing what I should have done um, and he really got into me but you know I went out and scored within five minutes, made one, and we won 3-2, so uh, good character building. Kept him in his job as well, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Ipswich won four out of four prior to their, their last fixture in the league, and it was a 2-0 defeat at home to Fulham. But despite that loss, there's a, a confidence around Ipswich. When you compare that with what was going on last season, it was obviously a difficult time, and many thought it was a, a matter of time before Mick McCarthy would leave his post. So he's... He's done incredibly well to to turn things round, really, and they they've flown out of the blocks. Yeah, I think that goes for I mean, if you look at the the championship table at the minute. I know people will say there shouldn't be even a table after so many so few games, but I think Ipswich were probably one of those sides that people probably tipped to to be struggling this season. Of course, like we say, it's early days, but they've certainly um, come flying out the traps and um, will certainly be full of confidence. I'd imagine this weekend. Um, but the same goes, same goes for us. I think you know people, perhaps given such a the tough start that we on paper had with the fixtures that we we were given, um, and to be in the, the top half, and I think we go into it with with a lot of confidence. But as you say, you know Mick McCarthy was was under pressure last season, and I remember when we went there. I think it was Ollie's second game, and um, you could feel around. Even though Ipswich won that day, there was still you could feel around the the ground that there was very sort of unsettled um but so he's done well to kind of turn things around and like you say they've they've started really well and we be hoping to carry that on on saturday and since martin waghorn he seems to be the the real threat for them at the moment signed from rangers and he's got four in four since he he's gone there in the last few weeks so um he's he's a bit of a live wire and he, he's going to be one to watch He's a good player, yeah. uh, and you know he's, he's he started uh, the season like his team on fire. You know they've got some good players. Um, will be, uh, I think it'll be a different type of game to you know the possession style of football that Reading and uh, Hull tried to play when they came to us. Um, possibly a little bit more, not as direct or as strong as Cardiff, if you like. But uh, it'll certainly throw somewhere us, in between the yeah, two. Somewhere in between. So. Um, you know, it's up to us. Um, I'm sure you'll ask, you know, how will Ollie approach the game? Well, I know how he'll approach the game. He'll, he'll be asking and demanding a fast start from the team. Mm. You know, get on the front foot. And it's about us taking the game to, to Ipswich. You know, we've, we've made a, I think we've made a good start. You know, a lot of people were looking at the first four games of the season and saying, well, what are you going to get from that? Little did they know the fifth game was going to be against the top of the league and the yeah. sixth game was going to be against the second top yeah. of the league. So, We've had a really, really tough start. We've acquitted ourselves really, really well, but a Saturday throws up another big test. Ian Holloway was saying this week as well, talking about, about this game and what he expects the game to be like. He, he said that he doesn't expect his centre-backs to be pressured because in Mick McCarthy's own words, I'm happy for an opposing team centre-back to have it because what's he going to do? So it sounds like we're going to have that opportunity to, to build from the back, but Ollie said he expects that the middle of the park to be where the real battle lies. Yeah, it'll be very congested in there and they will let us have it at the back. Um, that's where patience uh, is going to be key. Uh, and our fans uh, might have to be a little bit patient, you know, because if we can get in front early doors, but there might be a case where we have to might need to wear them down. 
uh, by moving the ball, shifting it from side to side. Uh, and we've seen in the, the previous weeks, you know, the good thing about this squad, we, we have got a sort of a plan B that we can revert to. Mm. Hull was a prime example. You know, you try one way, can't get through, I can't open the door, so you go another way, get you over the line. So uh, it might be a game where that comes to comes into play. And what about the uh, the new players that have obviously come in as well? We've got David Wheeler and Bright Say Samuel. Do we expect them to feature? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much they've trained. You know, they've been in international week, but they've been in. Uh, two exciting signings. You know, if you're full of potential, David Wheeler's fantastic season last year. Mm. You know, 21 goals from the wing. I would have took that any <laughs> <laughs> any time. Uh, <laughs> you know, so he comes in with a good pedigree. Can he make the jump up? I'm sure he can and will um, and the other boy that we bought in from Bright you know comes with bags of potential but as um, I think speaking to people in and around the club they see him as being almost I wouldn't say straight in the team but straight in the thick of it so uh, right. yeah quite exciting you know I think we've done good business we've had to bide our time you know there's a lot of stuff in the summer we haven't signed this and we haven't signed that and we need this and we need that you know we, we've we've bided our time and what what's been evident with with signing players that we can work with now but build for the future and uh, what I just last word with you it'd be good if we can get something from this game because it has been a good start we have lost the last two fixtures so it would be good to get that confidence flowing again yeah it's been a good start um, as you say we've lost the last couple but certainly at home it's it's been a positive start in the league um, those wins against Reading at Hull you know on paper two of the, the toughest sides in the league so with Ipswich Saturday and then closely followed by Millwall Tuesday night. Um, yeah, important to, to kind of get something certainly from, from Saturday, which we know is going to be a, a difficult game against a side who are, who are flying at the minute. Um, but with, without looking too far ahead, I know we've got Middlesbrough away, I think, the weekend after. So I think it'll be important to get certainly as many points as we can from these next two at home. 